If you will listen here to the Lord's word, I would like to read for us. We're in Titus chapter 2, and I would like to read through verse um, 8. Again, this is the Lord's word. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. This is the Lord's word. Would you bow with me again? Again, our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this evening, and we thank you for these hymns of praise. We again thank you for your word. You are a God who would not be trifled with a God who will be um, fooled by anything. Father, we see how faithful you are to protect your own, and we would ask, O Father, that you would watch over us tonight, and that you would, as we have just sung, come and be present now by your Spirit, that you would grant illumination, that you would encourage us as a congregation in fulfilling our callings that you have placed upon us, that your church may be made and grow more and more healthy, more and more faithful to our Savior, more and more into his image, his likeness, creating us that attitude and that heart that so typified our Savior who gave his life for us, who rose again for our justification. We thank you so much. O Lord, help us now, we pray in our weakness. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle wrote in 2 Timothy 3, a passage you're familiar with, he writes this, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. We are in the last days. I'm oftentimes, I have been asked very often, are these the last days? Are we approaching the last days? I say, no, we're not approaching the last days. We're in the last days. (laughs) We've been in the last days since our Lord resurrected and ascended into heaven. We are in the last days. This description that we've just read, that I've just read to us from uh, 2 Timothy 3, describes us in our nation. It describes us now in our world. This selfish, self-indulging, self-aggrandizing attitude is our culture, and it has come in large measure in our churches and is in our homes. Men and women seeking their own desires, not living for the one who gave his life for them, but living for what is temporal, not lasting, of this world. Raising children to be just the same. What is wrong with this generation? You hear it asked. And I go, the problem with this generation is the generation that raised them. My generation. (laughs) Right? The 80s, those glorious 80s. And um, 
we have children who are not being taught. Um, we're not, they're not being taught that this world is empty and, and is broken and it's not to be lived for. We're not teaching them that there was something else outside of this world to be lived for, that there is something well beyond the sun, as the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, that under the sun everything's vanity. Where's, where's, where is meaning found? It's going to be above the clouds. It's going to be where the Lord sits on his throne and where the Lord Jesus sits at his right hand. This is where meaning is found. The family is under attack. And I chose to come back to Titus. We went through this, these, this portion of scripture some years ago. I think it's been over six years now, seven years, that we were going through this. And I thought as we were going through Colossians and we're seeing what Paul is saying, I thought it might be um, valuable to go and look at these again as the family is under attack and we find that many marriages are dissolving Homes are divided and children are devastated and the witness of the gospel is hurt. Our older generations have, been, have become discouraged or distracted. Uh, our older men and women have been decommissioned. And so I'm glad to see older people here tonight. And I'm thankful to see younger people here as well. But they've been decommissioned and so younger generations are losing their way because older generations are not saying what it needs to be said. This idea that faith is a private matter and we don't go into meddling in other people's lives. I think we need to rethink those things, um, especially when you consider what Paul says here to older men and to older women, but in particular to older women. The older women are necessary to encourage the younger women. This word encourage is to train them, to train the younger women, to help them, um, to bring them to their senses. And if you consider the culture in which we live and the, the list that I just read from Second Timothy, and you see this is what's in our world, what is under attack the most in our culture? It is the family. It's the home. It's marriage. It's children. These things are under attack. And, and you consider, what does the future of the church look like? And what do we do about it? If Satan, if Satan, this wise, this, uh, this masterful deceiver, this schemer, if he were to take out a country, if he were to take out a people, what would you do? I'll tell you what to do. Attack the children. Attack, attack the family. Attack marriage. Attack all those things that are fundamental building blocks of a society. Without them, our society and our culture collapses. It's no surprise to me that this is what Satan has done. Younger women are under attack. The teaching and example that they see are this idea of this, these empowered women of our age who pursue their potential, who prove their worth, whose feet uh, don't stay at home, whose husbands and children are uh, oftentimes nothing more than trophies meant to bring them self-fulfillment. And so we hear people like the squad in, in Washington, D.C. We hear our vice president, Kamala Harris, say things like this. We hear the Hollywood elites and the Taylor Swifts of this world, the Oprahs, the Beyonce's, the Elizabeth Warrens, all, all chatting up um, women empowerment. Do you, do you ever recall hearing what they say? They are not promoting. I mean, Kamala Harris came out and, and 
talked about how Roe versus uh, Wade, Roe v. Wade, was overturned, and what a terrible thing that was, that it just made her so angry that that was overturned. Who says things like that? And really, who says things like that? That's, that's a very fundamental thing. When people are saying things like that, friends, there's something seriously wrong. That's not something you go, well, that's just her opinion. Well, that may be her opinion, but it's rooted in hell. You understand? That's a very deadly thing. And so when people go square off against what is right and sound and good and ancient and true, you've got to question what, what's going on there. Their voices are loud. Media promotes these godless ideologies, uh, saying things like, fuel her fire and she will change the world. What are they promoting? Oftentimes they're promoting anger and bitterness, that all men are out to abuse them. You don't need men. You don't need children. You don't need the patriarchal society. Throw it all off and be your own person and look after yourself. That sounds awfully Christian, doesn't it? Now is the time. Great line, one of the best lines out of the Lord of the Rings. Um, Valor without renown. It's one of my favorite. Remember when, um, what's his name? Aragorn. Aragorn talks to Eowyn, and she wants to go to battle, and he says, no, we need you. We need you to take the women and the children down to the caves to protect them. And she's arguing, I can fight. He goes, now is the time for valor without renown. It's not glorious. It's not bright. It's not going to garner you awards, but it's valorous. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's good. It's right. It's the kind of thing that we ought to be looking for. Now is the time, my sisters, for valor without renown. To be bold, to go against the culture at large, and to follow the example of our Savior who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, whose hands formed the stars and placed them in their galaxies, but whose hands also took up the basin and the towel and washed the sweaty feet of his disciples. That's the attitude we are, we are needing now, who came and served us, Though he was a king, yet he gave his life to redeem us. Now is the time not to imitate the evil of our age, but to overcome evil with good. And I am not just talking to the younger women, though there's a one here. <laughs> and we're awfully glad you're here. Um, but I'm also talking to the older women, because remember the context here. He has said, um, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not a, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage, so that they, the older women, may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, etc., etc. He's addressing the importance of women. He's addressing the importance of women in the church, older women and younger women. Again, older women have been decommissioned and pushed out to pasture, and younger women are being taken away from their homes, directed away from their children. And what's the net result? The home and the family fall apart, and the culture is under attack. One might argue 
that the fact that the apostles spend so much time here on just older women and younger women, that there's quite a significant role that they do play. And yet, what does our culture say? You're no, you don't belong there. Your value, your worth is not to be found there. You have to look outside of your homes if you want to find importance and, and, and value. Here we have this mindset of Jesus Christ. Here, then, is the mindset that should be driving us, men and women, in the church. Uh, you will make the home or you will break the home. The importance of women. You will make the home or you will break the home. You cannot place a value on how important you are and your calling is to your husband and your children and your witness is to the world at large. And how important uh, you older women are to help them, to train our younger women, to train them as they walk in these difficult and underappreciated paths. Again, um, you may say my job is done and I hope you won't take that attitude and if you have uh, started to take on that attitude, don't take that attitude on. Quickly dump it, push it aside. Um, you may have grown children, you may have in-laws, grandchildren, or the younger women in the church. You are pivotal. I was thinking about this. It would be uh, tantamount to you've walked across this field before and you know where the landmines are. And so now you will teach the younger women where those landmines are so that they don't step on them. And I can hear you now. You can say, but you don't understand this, Pastor. You don't know what kind of woman I've been. You don't know what I've, I've made some terrible mistakes in my life. And, and friends, listen to me. Of course you have. That's why you're sitting in church. Because you have, you know you're a sinner. You know you have failed. But you understand the rationale? If, if, I, run, if, I, if I get drunk and I run a car into a wall, Am I actually going to stand back and say, um, oh, I'm not going to say anything because that would look judgy because I'm actually guilty of these things. Would you want to see someone else repeat the same errors you made? Or would you warn them and say, listen, I've done that. Don't do that. It really doesn't work out well. We oftentimes take that mindset that, well, I have a sinful past. Who am I to tell someone else? You've got the Bible. And you've got the word of God, and you've got now experience that tells you, don't go there, don't do that. You older women have earned the right to speak because you're older women. And you're necessary, and you're important to the younger women who are facing all sorts of things, problems and trials in their homes, and then attacks from outside the church. You know, when a woman is pregnant and she comes into the church, the church ought to celebrate that. Instead of saying, oh, again, don't you know how that happens? Making these snide little remarks. We should be rejoicing because it's hard waking up three and four times a night to go change diapers and being spit up on and having children not appreciate your food. They need encouragement. They're training the next generation of people. Your worth as a mother, as a wife, as a servant, washing others' feet will not get you a Grammy Award, an Oscar, or a Tony. And more likely than not, it may even be scoffed at by the world, but never by our Lord, who says, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And gentlemen, we should never mock or belittle um, these women, but rather we should encourage them 
not demean that, that important calling. How would Cretans ever stop being liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons unless Christian mothers raised those little Cretans to stop being little Cretans? <laughs> We're not going to lie. <laughs> we are not going to do these things. How will we, friends, fight a godless culture which is actively destroying and warring against all that is right and good and wholesome? How will we advance the kingdom of God, the reign of Christ, uh, by living our lives in accordance with the truth of the gospel? This is how we advance that kingdom. This is how we train the next generation. What should you older women be encouraging and training the younger women to do? What ought you younger married women be doing according to the Lord's word? Your focus, let me sum it up, is to go home. Your focus is to be on your home. The younger married woman's role is listed for us here in verses 4b through 5. Let me read this again. So that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Love your families, ladies. Love your families. Older women encourage the younger women to love their families, their husbands and their children. Again, the influence of our day is towards self-love and looking after ourselves, but neglecting those around us. So many women always um, looking to get away from their families. That is the world. The woman that Solomon warned of when he said she is boisterous and rebellious, her feet do not remain at home. Young married women are to love their husbands. Our ideas are so colored by romance and feeling. Um, sadly, I think this might be why many marriages do dissolve, because you've lost that loving feeling. Right? Remember the song by the Righteous Brothers. Young wives, love your husbands. Feelings come and go and then come again, but love in the home must not be based on romance. Must not be based on romance. It is an act of the will in the same way that getting up in the morning is an act of the will. This is a love that demonstrates benevolence. It looks after, it attends to, it is not cold but warm, not disinterested, but attentive to your husband, his day and his needs. Make your husband a priority over every other living being on the planet Live for him. You heard me. Live for him. Remember, he has been called to die for you. So he, he's not getting off. <laughs> he has to lose his life for you. You live for him. Um, and, and some will say, well, I thought it was love God first, then you love your husband, then you love your children, then, then all this. And, and we get into this weird kind of, well, I'm positing my love for my husband against my love for God. Friends, if you are loving your husband in this life, you are loving God. Don't juxtapose those two things. Our love for our spouses is how we demonstrate a love for our God. I'm glad, too, that he says love their husbands first because in our modern mindset, it's kids first. You'll see people with their bumper stickers on their cars driving around baby comes and the husband gets bumped to second place in the home don't do that don't do that encourage the young women not to do that your kids will receive a greater blessing if you focus first on your husband they will have a happy and secure home if they know mom and dad are, are loving one another secondly paul writes 
to that the older women are to encourage the younger women to love their children. Culturally, we despise them as little inconveniences or we worship them. Everything is about the children, their schedules and their sports. Love your children. Love them willingly. Love them purposefully. Love them sacrificially. Be a blessing to them. How? Hold them. Hug them. Speak to them. Listen to them. Put the electronics away when your children are around. Spend time with them. Pay attention to them. Feed them good food, the stuff they may like, and definitely the things they don't like. Feed them good food. Go on dates with their father. Don't let them think that they are the center of the universe. Discipline them with a rod if necessary. Always correct them in love. Play with them. Enjoy them. You won't have them for long. Read good books to them. Read the Bible above all. Explain the gospel. Fill their minds with wonder. Teach them not to use four-letter words like luck. Teach them that this is God's world and there's purpose and plan for all that he has done. Talk to them of their sin. Lead them to the Savior. They are your arrows, how you will most impact the world. Nobody can, nobody will love them like you. Nobody. You see, and you take these children away from their parents. Who's going to pour into them? Our daughter Alyssa struggled terribly with reading. And my wife took up the cause. She was in the kindergarten class. The teacher says she's not reading. You need to work with her. My wife worked with her from kindergarten to sixth grade. Just about every single night she worked with her. And I said to her, nobody loves her like you do. I'll tell you, there's a woman who poured her life out for her children. And now she reaps the benefits. Now we see the, the benefit of these things. Isn't it interesting, again, that in, uh, that in these two ways, um, the home has come under attack with our love for husbands and our love for children. This is what the Lord, this is what the Lord instructs. You see how wise the Lord's plans are. And yet the world, the world will say, what is this? What are you doing? You're wasting your life. Well, don't you know you've got all these talents? You could be making tons of money. You could have fame. You could have success. And yet that's not where the true value is. We think very temporal. We think very materially. We think if I have this or that, I've arrived at success. Maybe if we started to think more heavenly, if we started to think I'm going to raise these children to fear the Lord and to conquer the gates of my enemies. <laughs> if we thought, I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder what the Lord will do with this child when I raise them to fear the Lord and serve him. Have you ever thought about the impact like that? Rather than pouring money into a bank account, maybe we invest life into our children in godly direction. Scrap the second home, scrap the new cars, have children, invest in your family, and love them. You are not to merely look after your own interests, as we saw in Philippians 2. You have been loved. The Lord has demonstrated his love for you. He has laid down his life for you, and he calls you to do the same for your family. Next, he says, encourage them to be sensible. That is, to curb one's desires and impulses, to be self-controlled and temperate. 
This is also spoken to those who are elders, to older men, implied of older women, and with younger men. That is, to be sensible means to be not to be given to extremes, to be steady, to be even. John MacArthur says it, it is to have common sense and good judgment. Don't be running after every fad that is presented to you. Be thoughtful about the needs of your husband, your children, and your home. You don't care or shouldn't care about the Joneses or what they're doing. You ask yourself what is right for us and for our family. <clears throat> be pure, he says. Be pure. That is to be set apart from the sensuality of the world. William Hendrickson said, avoid any immorality in thought, word, and action. This idea of the consensual mindset of consenting adults can, that we can do whatever we want, we can't, my friends. The Lord has called us to purity in thought, word, and deed. In fact, in Ephesians 5, we read this <clears throat> in verses 3 through 5. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. We've become so very sensual in our, in our day with our dress, our behavior, and our flirtatiousness. Uh, that movie that came out some years back, The Fifty Shades of Grey, of Grey rather, uh, is, is sheer pornography is what it was. And it was shocking to me when I heard that it was mostly women who went to go see it. That's not the kind of thing we bring into our homes. That's not the kind of thing uh, that any Christian has any business seeing. Movies and television and music, our homes should be free of that sewage. And our marriages, our love lives, our doors should be closed and they should be locked and our children should be protected from awakening things in them that they have no business having awakened in them as children. Next, he says, you are to be workers at home. Encourage them to be workers at home. Your energies are to be directed towards your home. Take care of household affairs. Be busy uh, at your domestic duties, the meals, the cleaning, and the, and the clothes. Now, I can hear it. Uh, is that all I'm good for? No, of course not. That's not all you're good for, and please don't hear me say that. I don't believe that at all. These are not the end. These are merely the means to the end in the home. Our goal is to keep our children alive, so we have to feed them. It's to keep hygiene clean, good, so we change clothes and we change linens and we do these sorts of things. That's not the end. You're not a glorified housekeeper, but you are the one who is working at home to take care of your children. In the Proverbs 31, which we hear oftentimes quoted, look at how smart and gifted this woman was, and she was. But I would urge you to look at why she did the things she did. She was not, not out creating a career for herself. She was out to bless her husband and her children in that passage of scripture. We are told in Proverbs 31, 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. You see that all that she does, she does for her family and her family trusts her. 
And this doesn't mean that you should never get rest. And, you know, you can hear these things and think you'll never get rest. <clears throat> and I would encourage, encourage you men that you give your wives time to rest, to soak in a tub, to go away to the store by themselves, to have time alone. Um, I think these things are vital. Uh, but, ladies, you are encouraged to be workers at home, to be diligent at those things. Next, he would say that you are to encourage them to be kind. That is, that they are to be benevolent towards their husbands and children, to all manner of people, that they should pour forth good words and generous words and bestowing favor and giving encouragement where encouragement is needed. It is easy to feel pulled at, disgruntled, and discontent. And after all, the world certainly won't give encouragement where encouragement is needed. You may fight the temptation to be bitter and to become mean. It's a sure way to isolate your family and to hurt the witness of the Lord. When you feel this way, anything but kind, I would encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to help you, to share your concerns with your husband and your struggles so that he may help you too. But I would encourage you to trust the Lord, for he knows what he is doing. And, and beware of that the grass is always greener mindset, of that covetousness, that your husband's life is so much easier than yours. It isn't. Don't be so sure that other wives and other mothers have it so much better than you do, because I assure you, they don't. The Lord gives us what he gives us, and we should, we should make use of these things. And finally, he says, be subject to your own husband. The gospel does not undo, nor does it undermine God's structure from the beginning. Rather, it restores it. And many professing Christians, many professing Christian women, don't submit to, nor are they subject to, their own husbands. They don't care what he says, and they oftentimes don't consider what he thinks or what he wants. They consider themselves to be the boss, and they will tell their husbands just what they think. But the Apostle says in Ephesians 5, again, I bring this up by way of reminder, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. In the Christian home, the man is the head of the home, and he is to use his authority to love and to cherish his wife and she is to be subject to him. This idea, this verb of subject, is a willingness on your part to put yourself under his leadership and to follow his lead, his direction, and to obey him in all things. This is a very important point. No man is going to tell me what to do is the culture that we live in. I don't take these things from a man. The Christian, however, obeys the Lord who places her trust in the Lord and obeys him by obeying her husband. And his heart cherishes her and considers her before his own desires. And in this, when we are all doing what we should be doing, is a beautiful symmetry that takes place. Um, <clears throat> there needs to be order in our homes, and you must be subject to your husbands. Now, after this long litany, this list of, of things that the apostle says to Titus, that older women ought to be encouraging. The question is why? Why? What's at stake? Why must you go home? Why must you love your husbands and children and be sensible and pure workers at home 
kind and subject to your own husbands? My friends, it's because actions speak louder than words. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Our theology is to have sneakers on it. And the things we say we believe, we must put into practice. Again, because actions speak louder than words. When we go running around saying we're Christians and telling others that they need Jesus Christ, but you're not loving your family, your feet are running away from your, um, rather your feet are running away from your family, and you're, you're giving yourself to all sorts of worldly behaviors, you are hurting the witness of the gospel. That's what's at stake. And you're not only hurting the witness of the gospel in the world, you're hurting the witness of gospel before your children, the next generation who takes these things. How important a mother's influence is. Again, listen to the answer that the apostle gives, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Why should older women be helping married younger women be sober-minded or reminding them of their duties so that the word of God is not dishonored or blasphemed or defamed. John MacArthur wrote this, Paul's point is that not only the evil things we say and we do, but also the good things that we fail to say and do dishonor God and his word before the church and before the world. Unbelievers judge the genuineness and value of our faith more by our living than by our theology. The unbelieving world judge the genuineness and value of our faith more by our living than by our theology. James would say, show me your faith, Israel, by what you do. That you too really believe what you say and you show your children this is real and I will stake my life on it. Paul has more to say, wrote uh, Lenski, has more to say regarding the young women than regarding any other class of members. His concern is that if the older women, helping the younger women doesn't happen, the witness of the gospel is vilified. If older women don't help the younger women, the message of the gospel is vilified in the world. What's at stake if my older sisters won't come alongside my younger sisters? And, and ladies, all I can say is they, they, they listen to a pastor a man, and he can only go so far. You realize that? I've never been a mother. <laughs> I don't know the temptations and the pitfalls that wives and mothers go through, but my wife does. My wife knows. She's, she's been through it. She's still in it, and she comes alongside her daughters, and she talks to them. And you older women, likewise, have been, been around a while, and that's a good thing. That's a lovely thing. But that's, that's what's at stake here is the importance of the family and of, of our children and of raising godly um, children for the glory of Christ. Again, Lenski said this, so much depends on the women in great part on the younger, young women of the church. The world will to a great extent judge the churches by the character which the gospel produces in the women. I thought that was a rather profound and stark comment he made. The world will to a great extent judge the churches by the character which the gospel produces in the women. The church has been accused of, of patriarchy, of 
suppressing women, suppressing their value and pushing them off to the side. I rather think that the church has been too, um, not enough, exalting them and where they are and promoting the right things. And, and you see how valuable women are to the body of Christ and how valuable they are in nurturing the next generation. And so this is where we, we find our place. Older men and older women and younger women, we come together and we function as a body and we encourage the right things so that when we die, we have left the gospel and we have left the truth in the hands of younger people who then continue to carry on the gospel. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I do thank you again for tonight and I thank you, Father, for this word and we pray that you would give ears to hear. I pray, Father, that you would encourage our young women who have lots of little children. I pray that you would bless them, Father, with strength and clear minds. And we pray, Father, that they would not grow weary in the work you have called them to do, the vital work you have called them to do, and how they hold the homes together in so many ways. We thank you for our wives, and we thank you, Lord, for the blessing they are, for how they put up and how they love and how they give and how they serve how they wash feet, how they wash clothes, how they prepare meals, how they um, help, instruct, and guide. Father, we thank you so much for them, and we pray that they, the ladies especially in this church, and of course, Father, the women across this nation who sit in your church, we ask, Father, that you would encourage and strengthen them in their labors and that they would not grow weary. And for my older sisters, um, I don't know all that they have experienced, but I do know, Father, that our culture has not valued older people, but rather, Father, you speak of them as though they are treasures in the church, and we thank you for them, male and female. We thank you for them, and I pray for my older sisters that you would give them wisdom, Lord, and um, and the tact necessary to come alongside others and to encourage. We pray, Father, that this, this congregation would be a great tool in your hands for encouraging women with their children to the next generation that Christ might be magnified uh, for years and years and years to come until he comes again. We again thank you for this evening now and we pray all of this in Jesus name. Amen.